Welcome to the Growth League podcast, where we interview business owners who have experienced quantum leap growth in their business. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into our guests' firsthand experience about what it was like 90 days before and 90 days after that point when their business started experiencing massive growth. I am here with my guest, Sean Freeman, uh, from what is now fully managed, but you, uh, you originally founded uh, TWT group a number of years ago, which is a, a fully managed it services company here in town, uh, experienced a lot of growth. Uh, my first engagement with you was listening into a little bit about your growth journey, um, and the way you managed, uh, TWT, the, the staff, the culture, the strategy, uh, in EO. So, um, I got an opportunity to hear about your story and it was, it was awesome. And I've been kind of following you ever since. Um, and then you fully merged with, uh, with fully managed in, in February of 2020, which is a very interesting, uh, time. So, uh, Sean, thanks for, thanks for yeah. being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's, yeah, you it's bet. a great opportunity. So, and it's, it has been a year, definitely, uh, <laughs> lots of ups and downs and, uh, I think everybody can relate. So in your, in your bio, and I'm not sure if you wrote this or, or had someone help you with it, but uh, I love it. You're an entrepreneur, you're a geek, self-proclaimed geek, a boundary pusher. Uh, you're a fan of being productive, but not busy. I want to dig into that a little bit. And, uh, sure. you're a lover of technology. So, um, if you can bring us back, uh, well, let me give you a little bit of context first about what the podcast is all about. It's all about digging into the stories of growth. The podcast is called The Growth League, and, and it's all about understanding, you know, what was going on at that time or those times where you were starting to experience like more of hockey, hockey stick level growth. Uh, you know, what was happening six months before, six months after, um, and it's never one tipping point. Uh, I think we all acknowledge that. But before we get into that, I want to I want you to bring us back to the origin story of TWT. How did it get started? T- tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. No, we uh, so I kicked off TWT in 2011. Seems like uh, forever ago. It's yeah. almost a decade now. Um, but yeah, back then, uh, you know, I was prior to kicking it off, I was working in oil and gas, and I was fairly young and. Uh, pretty ambitious and just kind of saw like, okay, if, you know, if I keep working here, this, you know, I'm only going to get so far. And, um, you know, I'm really passionate about technology, really enjoy that stuff, helping solve problems and create new things. And, uh, and so it just made sense. I, I kind of said to myself one day, you know, like what's the worst that could happen I get another job and <laughs> things were good in 2011, you know, we were kind of, uh, doing pretty well after the wake come like downturns. So, um, so I said, great, you know, there's opportunity out there if this doesn't work out. So uh, little did I know another recession was coming. Uh, <laughs> so good thing it did work out. Um, you know, it, uh, it was actually an opportune time. I think all, all downturns are, are actually pretty good times to start businesses because people are looking for new, better, cheaper, more efficient ways to do things. And obviously that's what technology does is try to find new, better, efficient ways to do things, right? So totally. Um, so yeah, in, in 2011, um, maybe I'll give you the, the history of the name. Uh, you know, I was a little frustrated in my job and uh, just sitting at my desk talking to a colleague one day, and I was like, you know, I could, I could do a lot, uh, a lot better, and be a lot happier working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. No and, way. Uh, so that's where TWT came from. Um, 
you know, at first I was trying to find a different name and I was like, oh, you know, I can't name it TWT, right? That's just silly. Um, but then it just, we couldn't find something better. Uh, we couldn't brainstorm something better. We took, you know, a week or two just thinking about different things. And, and I just said, all right, let's just stick with it. We came up with, uh, you know, a nice marketing spin on it, uh, Technology Wisdom Trust is what, <laughs> we, what we called it. But we told most of our clients the backstory because, you know, they uh, we had really good relationships with them and, and they all laughed and, you know, they get it, right? They buy into yeah. Your, yeah. your story. They understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and that's a part of it. So, so that was pretty cool. We, um, you know, over the eight and a half years that, uh, that we grew the company until uh, we merged with Fully Managed, um, you know, we went from just myself to I think 22 or 23 people um, come, you know, January, February this year. It's all about like, for me, the growth is just, um, just having that foresight and, and saying, okay, here's where we are now. Here's what we've done. We've grown 40% this year. You know, what's the next 18 months look like? And a lot of people like to look 12 months out. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of looking 18 months out. Cause you know, if, if you need to be somewhere in 12 months, uh, you need to, you know, start hiring and start putting processes in place over the next three to six months. Right. Like, right. Uh, it's just like staffing. Like I always ask myself, like, what's the team I need in six months? Cause it's going to take you six months to find the right people, get them trained and get them rolling in, in six months. Right. It's going to take you about that amount of time. So, but with, with like looking at the whole business, that timeline's a, li- a little bit longer. Right. So, always kind of looked out and and part of that is just planting seeds right you know um, we always worked collaboratively with like local competitors shared ideas you know just to kind of raise raise all the ships and um, make everybody better and uh, you know it didn't cost us anything mm-hmm. um, and we got we got some good friendships good relationships and one of those just ended up being fully managed right like they they were based out of Vancouver at the time I met them um, but I, I probably met them about four or five years ago, um, well, probably five now at least, and uh, and just said, you know, hey, let's just connect and see how we're both doing things, um, share ideas, you know, hmm. and uh, with maybe the maybe the future there's an opportunity, right? And and there was, and so it was kind of nice just like knowing the people before we even started talking about the deal, right? Right. Knowing that they're good people, right? So. That, that, that brings up a point that I've been thinking about a lot is that, you know, as it relates to quote unquote competitors in the same space, you can kind of have a predisposition towards scarcity or abundance, right? And in this case, I think that you had your abundance hat on, which initiated some conversations, you know, sharing notes uh, or, or whatever, and then, you know, see what, and see what happened because of it, right? So yeah. is that, is that typically how you've operated from, from day one in terms of the, the pie is big enough? No, it's not. I can't. I can't claim that I knew that at the very okay. beginning. I think, you know, it's just a, another skill you learn, another fear you overcome, right? Because that's what it is. It's a fear of like, hey, if I share an idea with my competitor, mm-hmm. are they going to take all my clients, right? And you know, um, I got to the point where I just I realized like our clients are just relationships. Yeah. Like we, you know, they work with us because they like us and they trust us and we do a good job and we care, um, you know, I could tell my competitors all my secrets. Yep. And as long as I have those things with my clients, they're not even going to think about changing, right? Yep. Even if it's a little cheaper, right? Like yep. a lot of people, if you're competing on price, you should look at 
what you're doing because <laughs> that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah, totally. You know, I don't, I don't really care what market you're in. Um, you know, even the most, uh, you know, price war riddled commoditized markets still have relationships behind them. Right. And I think the people that you find that are most successful focus on that piece. Right. And, and uh, cause when you do that, you can find more opportunity to create better, more value for the client. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. For sure. So when, when you started TWT back in, in 2011, um, was it because of a, one specific client that sort of showed up, showed up on your radar or did you start it and then go out and try to harvest from there? How, what was the, the decision? Like, let's do this. Yeah. I mean, kind of back then, you know, I was, I was in IT and I had a few friends that were like, Hey, can you help me with my tech in your free time? Right. Like I have a company, just need some basic stuff. Can you help me out? So I had a few, few of those you know, um, relationships that I had going and obviously that kind of got the ball rolling. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Um, it's scary when, when you're 26 years old and you're like, well, I'm going to quit my perfectly good job to, go make zero dollars and, <laughs> and try to build this up from nothing. Um, so, so I did have a few of those kind of set up and, and working and, you know, I'd help them out in my lunch and after work and that's all they really needed, but it was enough to kind of prove the idea. Right. And get some feedback too. Right. I, I told them like, Hey, this is new to me. So if you have any suggestions uh, and they did, right. And they let me know like, Hey, if you, if you could make it, you know, an easy, like, fixed fee for me that'd be great and so i put that together like back in 2011 the managed it services space uh, there was very very few people out there doing like a here's your fixed fee uh, for your contract it was all a lot of people were hourly still you know nobody used office 365 because it wasn't very reliable back then it's great now Um, you know the technology it's just evolved and and so has the industry I think we're sort of entering those golden years for the managed services. Um, You know, the security issues that are coming up, um, you know, government's getting hacked into, you know, nobody's safe. Right. So that's really highlighting the need for what we do. Um, Cause you know, some people may say, Oh, you fix my computer, my printer when it's broken, but that's like a very small piece of the pie. Um, The big piece of the pie for us is the security piece. Because if if you're just leaving all your data lying around on the internet and everybody you know hacks into it or takes and steals it and uses it against you, um, doesn't matter what your business is and if your right. printer's broken. <laughs> so. Is that what you guys sort of hung your hat on uh, at the early days of security and have continued to do that? Or uh, yeah, it's it's a focus in everything we do. It's just the foundation, right? If you don't have that, then nothing right. else. Everything else is just a, a wish and a guess, like yeah. a hope, <laughs> a hope right. and a prayer, really. Yeah, that's right. Know? So. So like when you started, obviously you were trying to figure out your positioning, looking at pricing, different types of clients you wanted to be a part of or or have a relationship with. Um, Is there a memorable moment from 2011 to February of 2020 where the business changed because of some of the things you were doing? You you were achieving some success and and was there a point where all of a sudden there was a bit of a hockey stick growth curve and tell us about some scale. Yeah. You know, like, you know, our, over our lifespan of about eight and a half years, um, you know, you hit a point where people know you, right. They know about you. So, you know, the first four years, you know, we're just this little up and coming. Nobody really takes you seriously. Competitors, 
companies don't really know about you. And then you kind of get this critical mass where okay, you've done a lot of work on branding and you've got a salesperson or two. And now people like, yeah, they know TWT Group. They know what people know fully managed across Canada, right? Like it's a well-known brand. Um, so we got to that point and, you know, that was sort of where we saw like, okay, this is, this, you know, crazy. We can't keep up with as many onboardings as we're doing. We figured out a way to make it work, but uh, you know, that's, that's uh, I remember one conversation I had with somebody that like, you know, I am so busy. I'm like, well, let's figure it out. Like, do we need to hire more people? Do we need better processes? Cause it's not stopping. Like, that's right. what I like. I said, like, we can't just like, you know, turn a dial down and, and clients stop coming to us, which is a great problem to have, but also you got to deal with it. Right. So, so we figured out a way to do that. Um, but yeah, you know, you get to that critical mass. I think, I think it probably took us a bit longer than it could have. Um, but also I, you know, IT people aren't very good at branding either. <laughs> Typically we're not like great marketers. So I think, um, I, I, I realized that and said, okay, I need some help. And we brought in some professionals and got some really good marketing going. And I think that really helped us along. Um, and, and yeah, like that's a lot of people look at it as an expense or a cost, but it's like, okay, you, you need to calculate your cost of client acquisition and right. not everything can be a referral at a certain point where, you know, in the early years, everything was a referral. We still have a ton of referrals, but it's not a hundred percent, right? Yeah. A lot of a lot of our listeners are have asked about um, or are in the process of looking at either being acquired or doing some acquisition themselves or some some merge uh, or put a merger deal together. From a you know, it's obviously as much as you're willing to share. But talk us a little bit about talk to us a little bit about what that process was like for you. Um, things you learned, things that you wouldn't that you would do differently next time or. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I consider myself and my team like super fortunate. We've probably had the best experience I could have ever hoped for with a merger um, and integration. We're almost a year into it and things are going great. Everybody's uh, doing well. They're happy. They're in great new positions. So from that aspect, I mean, the reason behind that is because of all the hard work that, you know, and, and that relationship building. You know, like I said, we, we met, fully managed the people there, the, the leaders there probably five years ago, built those relationships up, kind of aligned ourselves, made sure values matched. Values was a very important thing. Um, you know, and then obviously from that flows the culture of the teams. Um, and if, if those things don't match, I mean, you know, unless you're selling and walking away, I wouldn't even look at it. Those need to really make sense um, and align. Uh, so that's key. And then Number two for me, just as the business owner, is just having like my plan for my life. Like, what does Sean need to to be, you know, good, and and knowing that because I, f- I find a lot of business owners have no idea. Right. They know they know they make a good amount of money with their business, but they have no retirement plan. They have no financial, i like idea of you know if my business was sold, how long could I last? Like, so I think figuring out that is key. And then also figuring out what your team needs, right? What's their growth objectives? Where do they want to be in three years? Does the merger or acquisition support that, right? Because if that doesn't, then you're going to be losing people and you need to plan for that if you're still going to go ahead. But obviously, I think, you know, myself, I care about my team deeply and I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um, I think that's fairly common. Um, So, you know, the last thing I would want is for the merger to happen and then, 
people be not happy, right? Right. People are going to be not happy up front, <laughs> for sure. Like we had people that were very concerned and worried, um, but it's you know we've we've kind of showed them like here's why, here's the bigger picture. Um, everybody assumes the worst, right? They yeah. they assume the world's falling apart. Everybody's redundant. They're getting fired, and uh, there's no upward mobility for them now. I think uh, now my totally. team, if you asked, I think if if you asked my team, I think now they'd be like that's completely the opposite of what this is, right? How did you roll that out to the team? Because you got to be pretty intentional and careful about that, I imagine as well. Yeah, I mean, we communicated it. Um, I think every, I think every communication of a merger acquisition, you learn something. You can't do it perfectly. I think it's really just being clear about, like, hey, here's here's what's going on. Here's why. <clears throat> it was important for me to kind of let them know, like, hey, I'm not going anywhere, whether they believe me or not. At the beginning, was <laughs> up for argument. <clears throat> You know, everybody's going to say that, but whether they they stay around or not, I think once they realized I was sticking around, they were like, "Okay, this is cool." You know, he's not just jumping off the ship and leaving us to to, yeah. to try to steer in the right direction. Um, so you need to have that integration plan, right? Because that is what really matters. Uh, that's what you know. The everything you're saying that's good, that's going to come out of this, that's where it all actually gets proven, right? And people believe the actions once they see them. So right. having a good communication up front, having a, um, a good communication plan, and then just the strategy to just continue that because integration takes a long time, um, no matter how simple it is. And then also just, uh, you know, listening to the, the people, right? Like we, we had like very frequent check-ins with everybody and said like, what are you worried about? What's, you know, what doesn't make sense? What's not working and everything they brought up, we figured out a solution and communicated it just to make sure that they knew like, Hey, we're here to make sure that you're good and you're taken care of. Um, Cause the, you know, the goal of fully managed and we can get into that more is we're growing, right? Like right. we, we can't afford to lose people. We need more people and we need good, like more good people. Right. So, um, once they saw that, I think it was kind of, you know, helps people accept it and realize that it's all good that they're going to be taken care of. Can you give us a sense of scale? Like what, what are, as much as you're comfortable sharing, what, what are growth goals for uh, fully managed versus kind of where TWT was before the, the merger? Yeah. So I think, I mean, we were 20 to 23 people before the merger, um, fully managed, I think we've added about 30 people this year to the team. So I think in total, we're on top of TWT. Right. So I think in total, the company's about 330, 340 employees wow. across uh, Canada and some in the U.S. Um, I think our our goal, if if you ask our leadership team in three years, will be about 1,000. So yeah. like we're going to, like we're probably, we're planning to triple wow. in two to three years. Like it's a significant um, trajectory which was also a part of the reason I did it too, right? Like there's just so much we can take 20, we can take the 22, 23 people and, you know, become part of the fully managed family and then triple like that's insane. It creates so much opportunity for our teams and, you know, just the places we're going to go is going to be pretty cool. So did, did you guys have a specific core competency that fully managed loved about the deal? Uh, that, or, or was it a continuation or a, a volume increase of what was already there? Um, honestly, I think there's a couple things that we had. Um, we had a really uh, loyal, strong 
um, client base, like our clients love us. We, and we do our everything we can to make, make sure that's the same or stays the same continued into, into fully managed. Like we're putting lots of resources into making sure things get improved. Right. Cause after an integration, mm-hmm. you know, your customers are worried this service going to go down. Is this just another big company right. that's, you know, poor long wait times and stuff like we, we absolutely won't let that happen. And then number two, I think we had a just strong technicians. I mean, the financials tell you everything, right? So we looked at the financials. They looked at the financials and said, like, wow, this is great. Like, we're doing awesome. With the amount of people we have, we should be doing less. But I think that's what happens when you have people that really enjoy what they're doing. They're great at their job um, and they care, right? That's, you know, they're not just working the 40-hour totally. work week, right? They're they're really uh, doing what they need to do. You guys... I'd imagine implemented uh, uh, probably traction or or did you guys implement that at TWT or anything from EO and and has that been able to carry over? Yeah. So we, we didn't implement traction, but we implemented um, the gazelles. uh, Oh, the scaling up. Yep. Yeah. Scaling up a bit. Like we weren't fully implemented, but we were definitely using a lot of the uh, things around that. Um, With fully managed, we, we don't have like, a specific system, but we have a company scorecard system that everybody's going, uh, working towards and their goals are aligned. Um, just so the whole company is aligned. The, uh, yeah. So we, so we, yes, we do. Um, and we have a solid management team. Like they're, they're awesome. Like our, our president, uh, Janice, uh, she's been in the business for a long time. I want to say 15, 20 years. Uh, our CEO, Mark Scott, he's, he's created, um, tools that the whole industry uses like solar winds um like they developed the the remote monitoring management tool i think it was one of the first ones on the market wow so he created that and sold it um one the the former president of fully managed created it glue which literally 95 percent of it companies use and he sold that to kaseya so like we have some leaders that actually like creating the industry and the tools that it uses which is pretty awesome that's got to be pretty uh, inspirational group to be a part of. Uh, that, that's it is, awesome. yeah, for sure. So I always ask, uh, you know, everyone approaches it a little bit differently, but on the topic of of scaling your business, whether that's you know a specific revenue target or a, or employee count departments, whatever it is, what are in your mind, in your perspective, what are the critical like underlying foundational pillars that need to be there in order to even think about scaling for sure i think um solid values and a great team that aligns with them um that's can't do anything without those um kind of next step up on the foundation would be recurring revenue if your business isn't recurring revenue based you're probably not going very far um if it's not there's so many creative ways you can get to, to make it creative um you know subscriptions like meal kit subscriptions or like whatever your business right. is, find a way to make it recurring. Um, Cause then it's more predictable. And then uh, understand, just understand the numbers that impact your business, right? Like get into those, those tools like scaling up and, and traction and figure out what are the metrics of your business that actually impact things. Like if you, if you do X, you'll get this much growth. Right. Uh, if you spend X to acquire clients via marketing 
you know, this is how many, how much revenue you can expect, like figure out those like cost of acquisition. Um, and then, and then focus on retention. I mean, it's the old, age old saying it's easier to it's much, much cheaper to keep a client happy than it is to find new ones. Um, you know, and, and everybody says it, but yeah. nobody focuses on it. Right. We had, it's like we, we onboard a, them. We, we <laughs> and it was like, all right, see you later. No, that's yeah. no good. Yeah, we do. We have a, we had a director of client experience, um, probably at year five. Uh, so kind of halfway through. Um, but as you know, as soon as we did that, I think our clients realized it and you're like, wow, this is even better, right? Like we were doing a good job, but it's like, you also want to be like paranoid, right? Like what could we improve? There's always something. Um, it's that Japanese, like Kaizen mentality, right? Right. That's, um, it's so important to remember those things because I think in in this community of business owners, you know, growth and scale is so sensationalized, and it's the you know this is and and the the desire I think is to get to it as quickly as possible. Whether that hurts your team, it hurts your ability to be positioned correctly, versus playing the long game and and doing it on the basis of foundation. So I appreciate that um, that perspective. Um, this question is all about looking back and reflecting. So 2011, you started it. So let's, let's, let's pretend we're, you have five minutes to visit with Sean from 2000 in like 2008 or nine. Okay. Like he's at a coffee shop or something. Maybe there's a better year, but a couple of years before the, uh, the inception of TWT. Um, and you know, you have like two minutes with Sean. What, yeah. what are you, uh, what are you telling him? Um, so, yeah, you, you learn a lot as an entrepreneur, right? And if I was to go back and say, start from scratch, like my eight years, you could probably compress to five, knowing what I know now. Um, I think it's, as a business owner, it's kind of, you know, it's again, a cliche saying is like, you know, aim for the moon. If you miss, you'll get to the start. Like, right. it's sort of like aim big. Um, I thought I was, Right but I just didn't have the perspective. I think a lot of being a business, like a first time business owner is perspective, right? You gain a ton of perspective. And now that I have that, like, you know, like I said earlier, like FM's goals are to like triple in the next couple of years. Like we never had a goal to triple as a 20 person company. Right. There's like slow and steady growth and, and all that. And so it's really just maybe open up your, your horizons and, maybe think bigger, I think is probably an option I would do. You know, I, I know I was being like super safe and super conservative as a first time owner. I had you know no idea what I was doing. Didn't have a ton of confidence around a lot of things, financial, right. sales, marketing, all that stuff. Um, but you figure it out, right? You find professionals, you find the experts and you right. come up with the solutions. Hmm. No, that's good. I think, what you said there in terms of you can't acquire that perspective unless you go through it. Right. I know it sounds very, very simple, but it's like part of uh, a business owner's mentality should be, Hey man, or girl, it's okay to just go with it on a day-to-day basis and not you, because you're, you're, you're acquiring stripes and stars that you can't get up. There's no other way to get them. Right. So yeah, and it's just asking people, you know, like, hey, am I missing something? What's my blind spot? And that's a great thing EO is for, right? Like right. having those conversations. 
um, and, and figuring out what you're missing or what you're not thinking about. Right. Right. Um, you know, if I had somebody challenge me, they're like, yeah, if I was running your business and your $2 million business right now, like I'd be, I'd be running it as if it was a $20 million business and you know, and it would become one, right? Like right. just, just because of the nature of how things go. Right. Right. Um, I think we, we just don't know how, how much is possible. I think it's insane. You look at things like the, the not only the stock market, but private equity, like there's trillions and trillions of dollars in private equity money out there that like you could go and access and you could yeah. create a, an IT or, or an app and you could, get funded pretty quick. Like there's startups that come out the gate six months later, they have $50 million round. Like it's insane, but like a lot of people don't even think that's possible. Right. Right. So now that, now that you have, uh, you know, successfully, uh, created the merger with fully managed, what's the next mountain for Sean? Like where, what's your mandate now? Where are you kind of sinking your teeth into? Yeah. So, I mean, fully managed, I'm, I'm still uh, a shareholder. I'm, still on the boat and uh, we're, we're, I guess, like I said, we're pushing towards those big goals and uh, I'm super excited to be a part of that and take my team along with me and help them grow. And uh, you know, that's my focus. That's where I get my passion is just seeing them, you know, seeing them get all these awesome ideas and, and, and tackle this, this growth challenge and, and create things themselves. And uh, I'm just here to lead them and, and get them what they need and make sure they have everything they need. Um, that's my focus for now. Right. Awesome. The little bit there from your LinkedIn profile, I want to ask you a couple minutes on that is, is, sure. uh, pro- productivity versus being busy. Um, what does that mean for you? For me? Um, yeah, productivity. I mean, COVID has been a really weird year and, and in some ways to reflect on this too, right. Cause we've all gone from, you know, having, two, three meetings a day to now we have seven because we have seven hours and we can do them back to back and sneak in a little washroom break in between. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's even a, a accentuated it. Um, you know, when COVID hit, I, I realized people were like booking me in my calendar at times I didn't want and I had no time to focus and, and all that. So I had actually, I actually had to change my habits and, you know, go into my calendar and create blocks and say like, yeah. no, am I, my Monday mornings for me to kind of get regrouped and, um, and be productive. Right. And then also just figure out like, as you scale, if you don't delegate, you're, you're limited, right. You're going to scale till the point where you need to delegate. So if you, if you're the CEO, you should like your only job is vision and making sure your team has what they need. Your job's not to be sending invoices out. Your job's not to be, you know, placing orders with vendors, your job, you know, like none of that's your job. And if it is, then, you know, you're holding your company back. Right. So you need to realize that and then prioritize, right? Like not everything's important. There's lots of things that if you leave it long enough, they'll fix themselves. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, especially in technology, but uh, also in business. Right. So just figuring out what's what's important and urgent, um, you know, there's that Eisenhower matrix, right? Where it's the four squares and you put everything in a square and yeah. then you know what to focus on. Things like that are super powerful. Um, you know, taking time to work on the business, not in the business, like everyone says it, but you know, 
very little, very few people do it. Um, we were really diligent to do like quarterly strategy meetings and annual strategy meetings just to get the whole team together to spend that time. Um, you know, tickets are coming in and fires blowing up. It'd be easier not to do it, but you have to, right? Yeah. Are you a, this is my last question. It's always my last question. Um, but are you, uh, are you a man of, of habit and routine? And, and if so, tell us about yours. Is it the morning, afternoon, night? And, uh, and when, what does it un, uncover from you for you in terms of clarity or productiveness? Yeah, I think we all have habits, whether or not they're intentional or not, it's different. Right. Um, I, I definitely, um, I have like a lot of things that are habit and routine and then I have certain areas of my life where I like variety. It's, you know, you get bored and doing the same day every day, not doing anything neat. I think my, my mornings are really important to me. I think my, my routine around my mornings are, are huge. Um, I really early on in entrepreneurship made a rule that I don't do any meetings before 10. Um, so I have my morning to kind of get set up. I, I, I get like, unlike a lot of entrepreneurs, I get like a solid seven and a half, eight hours of sleep every day. And I have for the last 10 years. There hasn't been a time, you know, maybe if I was, you know, had a bad day and was thinking about something fine, right. but I've, I get solid sleep. Whereas a lot of people, like it's a badge they wear that they only set four hours or they only, that's their usual, right? Um, so I, yeah, I get my forget sleep. Forget that noise. Forget yeah. That. Yeah. Cause like I said, if, if you can't do that, then you're doing something wrong. Right. Like you need to hire more people or you need to like prioritize better. Um, because something else is not right and that's not sustainable. Right. Um, but more importantly, like in, in my mornings, I get up, you know, I get ready uh, a couple like small, but important things for me are like making coffee for me and my partner, taking the dog for a walk and listening to audiobook, And then, you know, maybe get a workout in a couple times. A week. And once I'm done that, I'm set up for, you know, I'm set up for my day and then yeah. I can, go and do whatever, right? Go eat yeah. the frog first, figure yeah, that's out the right. hard stuff first and and then off you go. But um, if I don't do that, I just, my day feels panicked and and I feel like I can't think straight and I'm not focused. Yeah. Yet, uh, what do they say on the airplane? You got to fix your, uh, your own mask before you fix someone else's, right? For sure. Yeah. So yeah, if you're not getting enough sleep, then, you know, those are just um, symptoms of a, a bigger problem, right? And yeah figure that out. I mean, obviously, you know, people are going through lots of hard times right now and might not be able to afford somebody to delegate to, but there's also, you know, there's other creative ways to do it. And sometimes it's just reprioritizing, you know, we, we all do things that we don't need to do and that are unimportant and, un, you know, you just don't need to do them. You have you, have you done that? Have you done that exercise of, I've been trying to do it a lot more lately where you just actively ignore something and see if it goes away. Now you can get burnt every once in a while on that, but it's, it's kind of like an extreme form of prioritization, but nine and a half times out of 10, it really does just go away. For sure. And it's even further to that idea is like, there's a book called extreme, extreme ownership Yeah, Jocko. Um, by Jocko. Yeah. And he, t- he talks about like, you know, if, if you're, if you're choosing to do one thing and own that and, you know, prioritize it, then you're not, you're, not choosing to do other things and whether those are personal or not, or, you know, taking care of your health, like you got to own that stuff too. Right. So 
That's awesome. Well, this has been awesome. I, I've, I've wanted to connect with you for a long time uh, because what you talked about a, couple, you know, a year and a half ago at EO really stuck with me um, in terms of we were talking about culture at the time and team culture and how to build that. And um, from, you know, typically you'd look at an IT company, it's not the first thing you would think of in terms of like great, amazing culture. But I mean, you just, uh, you definitely prioritize that. And it's, materialized into growth for you and uh sean listen i I wish you the best of luck in your uh your new your new world uh your new marriage with fully managed i think it's awesome uh i i wish you guys the best i'm glad you're going on the three times four times five times growth train and uh you guys earned it so thank you so much for being uh, on the show we'll do our best and uh yeah thanks for having me i mean um from the get-go of my business i just wanted to build a company i wanted to work at <laughs> that seems pretty that's a simple way to do it yeah that makes sense that worked for for my whole team and uh and we're still doing that so it's great that's amazing so thank you for having me it was a pleasure you bet good luck in the new year thank you take care sean thanks the growth league podcast is brought to you by hook and ladder digital we are a digital marketing agency that focuses on building and nurturing engaged brand communities as well as designing, developing, and optimizing lead generation and conversion funnels that leverage advertising, email, landing pages, and content. Our goal is to connect great products and services with the people that want and need them most at the time that makes most sense for them. We want to see business leaders and marketers win and experience next-level growth by co-creating a strategy and working together to implement into market and realize the ROI that we're all looking for. So if you have any questions on your digital marketing program, you need support, or you'd just like to have us take a look, please check us out, www.hldigital.ca. Thanks so much. 